You're listening to the Reinvention Project with Jim Rome podcast. Welcome to episode 20 of the Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. Once again, I would love to sit here and say 19 eps in, I am well on my way to a complete and total reinvention. Truth is, that's not the truth. Now, I'm certainly better and I'm glad that I started this journey, but have I completely reinvented my mind, my body and my spirit? No. And the truth is, while that is the goal, I'm not sure how many people actually have. I would, however, suggest to you that this week's guest has had as dramatic a transformation as you will ever see. And while he has fought for and battled for everything that he has ever achieved over the course of his entire life, his greatest victories have come in the last few years as he has beat back several demons to finally find his true purpose, his true calling and peace of mind. I'm talking about former NFLer Steve Weatherford. He appeared to be, at least from the outside, living one of the most charmed lives ever. A small-town kid from Indiana with dreams of one day becoming a professional football player and winning the Super Bowl. He beat all the odds and did just that. In fact, not only won a Super Bowl, but beat Tom Brady and the Patriots to do it and personally had the best game of his entire career on the biggest stage ever. It should have been his finest moment and the best day of his entire life. Instead, it was one of his darkest Steve explains why that was, how he lost direction and spiraled out of control into a life of addiction and substance abuse. He talks about hitting rock bottom before pulling off one of the greatest personal reinventions you will ever see or hear about. It's episode 20 of the Reinvention Project with guest Steve Weatherford, and it's coming at you right now. Now, Steve, this podcast is different than the other pods and shows I've done and continue to do in the sense that this one is more personal. It's about reinvention. It's about renewal and whether or not these things are truly possible. And if so, how do we go about executing them? As an example, examining you and your life and your journey, the way you've reinvented yourself and your mindset and your perspective. I know these things are possible if you do the work. So let me first thank you for making time for the conversation and then to get caught up. How you doing man how you living how's your life steve no it's so good jim man it's great to hear your voice uh man i sure wish we could be in studio together uh doing this show but before i answer any of those questions man i just wanted to honor you man you've been doing what you've been doing for such a long time at such a high level and it's just really cool to see uh the maturation of the conversations that you're having especially you know, to to be so honored to be invited on a show like this, because you and I both know the reason you're doing this show, man, is because these are the conversations that like really matter. You know, you and I have have gone and we've attended sports games and we've attended live events and we've seen people do incredible things. And the reason um, people love sports the way that they love sports is because they love to see people do the unthinkable, the unimaginable, the impossible. But we all have that same opportunity in our life. And the reason we should love sports the way that we love sports is not to just be entertained, but to be inspired that like, man, if this person from this tiny little podunk country town or this kid from this tiny inner city place was able to do and become what he's able to do and become, then man, I, I should be and I can do more. 
Um, and that's what sports always were for me. And to be on a show with somebody like you um, that has that same mission and that same vision is just a real honor. So thank you for having me on the show. My man, Steve, I appreciate that so much. I mean, I sincerely and truly understand what you're saying, and I really appreciate what you're saying. And there's a lot of mutual respect here. And this is exactly what we are talking about. Not only like, how do you start where you start and end up where you are, but how do we go from where we are to where we still want to go? Like, so as an example, and already people who may or may not know you can hear it in your voice. You're a force of nature. You are extremely focused. You are extremely physical. You are extremely successful. I'm curious, for those who don't know, what about your background? Like, what was your childhood like and what were you like growing up? Man, I, I my, my earliest memories, Jim, were, um, were about five years old. You know, I, I remember being in kindergarten, my most vivid, like, we all have those memories from our childhood that are like, like 4k memories my first 4k memories that are really really granular in detail were were kindergarten and that's when i realized man i'm so much different than everybody else um i've got extreme adhd and as a kid um that wasn't necessarily like a normal diagnosis for for people but my my mom knew that i was different i was different than my brother and my sister my two brothers and my sister um, i remember going to sunday school and uh and getting kicked out um, you know, who gets kicked out of Sunday school, Jim? You know, there's only eight other kids in Sunday school. Isn't Sunday the place that everybody's <laughs> right. supposed to be welcome? Right. Um, so I remember getting kicked out of there and then and then going to school and having 27 other classmates and getting sent to the principal's office the first five days in a row because I just couldn't sit still, you know, and I it was hard for me to comply and to conform with the rigid schedule of sitting still and not talking and all these other different things. I just wasn't built that way. And I remember like, like hating myself because I wanted to like be a good boy and not get in trouble. Um, and so I, I really just hated going to school because it was just a reminder of like how I couldn't do what other kids were able to do. And I remember getting put on the wall during recess, like, which is the worst thing you could do for somebody with like extreme ADHD is like when everybody else has a chance to get their wiggles out and go play around, you have to stand on the wall and, and watch them and then go back to the class and expect you to sit still. But I remember at eight years old, I remember when I felt like I found like my thing and that was sports. Um, I remember walking, my dad was my coach and I remember walking from, my the soccer field to the car on several different occasions to get into my dad's truck after the game and and having other parents come up to me and and congratulate and affirm me um, for being so valuable to the team and saying like oh Steve man if you wouldn't have been here at this game we would have lost by four goals because last time last season when we played them they beat us five to nothing we just beat them four to one man you're so amazing uh, great job and I remember that being the first time that the way that I was built, meaning like impulsive and, and very quick to make decisions and very hyperactive. I remember that was the first place that I felt celebrated was um, was playing sports. Um, and that that really kind of drew me to want to go all in on sports and and really not play sports to try to win or lose. But I knew that if I won, that I was going to be valuable to other people. Um, and I mean, you and I can both can both agree, I, I believe, I don't want to speak for you that how important like your dad's approval was, um, and especially for a, a little boy, 
Um, but my dad was an old school type of dad, Jim, that didn't necessarily um, affirm as generously as maybe what I would have have wanted. And so it was a, it was difficult for me trying to figure out what my value was. But I went all in on sports and I was able to develop myself into, uh, I guess, what you would call an elite high school athlete, but still constantly hoping that my dad was going to say, hey, man, I'm so proud of you. Um, but still constantly working to get that affirmation from my father. And I know not just athletes, but I believe all men in general, like that's how God created us. He created us innately um, to want to, to want to appease our father and, and how our father's approval and how our father's love is so important. And, uh, and I just look back on my life. I'm 38 years old. Now I've got six kids and uh, man, my, my life is so much different than it was even 10 years ago. Um, but now I, you know, having a 13 year old, 11 year old, eight year old, six year old, three year old, and two month old, I understand how important my involvement, um, and my words of affirmation and my approval of my children really means to us. I mean, look at society today. There's a lot of people that are confused right now, Jim, they're confused on which bathroom to go to. Um, and I believe every single, and I'm, I'm firm in this, quote me in this, every single problem that we have in our country right now can be solved with better fathers, period. So let me ask you, are you feeling the stress of daily life? If so, you are not the only one. Don't let that stress weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or somebody just like me, just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device which releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. I'm telling you, this product is absolutely amazing. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. So whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there is no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. Not only do I use mine, but Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, and hundreds of thousands of customers as well. Do this. Try it yourself. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to therabody.com slash reinvention right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. Once again, that's therabody.com slash reinvention. therabody.com slash reinvention. You found your thing. You found your thing initially, and it was sports, and you went all in, and then you knew what you wanted to do. And in fact, you went on record with it, and you told those close to you, including your father, I want to be a professional athlete. I want to win a Super Bowl. This is my thing. I'm willing to pay the price. This is what I want to do. But what I'm hearing from you is you didn't necessarily get that affirmation from your father. When you laid that out for him specifically, that that was the dream and that was the mission, what was his response? Yeah, I remember I was 15 years old um, and I first started playing football at uh, 14 years old as a freshman in high school. And it was a year into me playing football. And I remember getting in the truck with my dad because um, I couldn't drive yet. You know, so he was driving me home from practice. And I remember getting in the truck with him and I must have had a really good practice. 
Um, and typically around my father, my dad was a great dad and he's a great dad now and I honor him, but he wasn't like that soft, gentle, like sensitive, let's talk about it type of dad. And so typically when I wanted to share things, it was with my mom for, for whatever reason, I was a little bit more loose with my dreams um, on the way home. And uh, I remember blurting out to my dad, I'd be like, daddy, one day I'm going to go to the pros. And I remember he like he didn't he didn't respond to it. And we're in this single cab truck, so there's not much space in there, Jim. <laughs> yeah. And so I remember right. saying it again. I'm like, dad, one day I'm going to go to the pros. Um, I'm going to be an NFL kicker. And I remember um, he was shifting the manual transmission. And I remember and I don't I know he didn't mean to do this, but it was just what it did to my mindset at that time. And that's how important fathers are and the words that we say, and we don't say to our kids and the weight that that carries, but he never even paused enough to like, look over at me, acknowledge the dream that I laid out there for them or breathe life or encouragement into it. He just shifted it from third gear into fourth gear and I'll never forget it. And he said, Hmm, that'll be the day, you know, and I don't think he was like trying to discourage me. I feel like in his mind, like that was him just like challenging me, like prove it, you know, like, cause that's the kind of men. Um, and I don't know for you, Jim, but in the Midwest, that's the type of dads that we grew up under. And that's honestly, I don't think just the Midwest, I think that generation in general, it was a prove it. Um, it was a prove it generation. You know, they were, they're tough men. Um, and with that toughness, I believe kind of also came with, um, the inability to really connect with sons uh, and daughters the way that maybe is is healthiest, and now we've got uh, now we've got a, a generation of people that don't know what to do with their feelings, um, and that's why we're struggling the way that we are societally. That's why everybody's so offendable. That's why everybody's just looking for their piece of the pie instead of trying to build a better pie together. So I don't want to go off on on tangents, and I want to keep it on the conversation with my dad, but I, I know a lot of people hearing my voice right now can connect with people who have been in their life, um, who as soon as you have spoken out of your mouth, a dream that you've had, they have been there so quick to be able to dash that dream, kind of like my dad inadvertently wasn't trying to do, uh, but that he did. Um, and I'm just so thankful in my life, Jim, that the way that I responded was almost kind of like, well, F you dad, I'll prove you wrong. And that began like a prove it mentality in my mind. And so it really shifted the relationship that I had with my dad. And I was no longer really trying to do it to make him proud. Now I was trying to do it um, to prove him wrong. Um, and I was able to, you know, achieve some really great things. Um, you know, earn a college scholarship, go to the University of Illinois, become an All-American in football, become an All-American in track, you know, go to the NFL and think like, once I make it to the NFL, like my dad will be proud, proud, you know, and you get to the NFL, you do the unthinkable um, from Terra, you know, from a small town like Terre Haute, Indiana, and, um, and you call your dad and tell him that you make the team. And then as soon as you tell your dad that you made the team, he quickly reminds you, uh, that your contracts aren't guaranteed and they're just week to week and to stay focused. Um, and so like at every turn of my life, um, when I had achieved things, the first thing a little boy wants to do is like rush back to their daddy and say, dad, look what I did and get their feedback. Right. Um, and I did that. And it seemed like at every turn, my dad was either like re-challenging me or discounting what it was that I was bringing back to him. And I believe that my dad thought that that was his form of, of keeping me focused and, and, and continuing to encourage me. Um, 
but it actually it 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 formed like a, a hole inside of me that I I needed to fill. Um, and that's when drugs and alcohol really entered the picture was during those college years of achieving all American status or all big 10. And, and then hoping that like one day your dad's going to be like, man, I am so proud of you. I can't believe that you were 108 pounds as a freshman in high school. And now, you know, you've become the fittest man in the NFL. Now, you know, you've been given an award like the Walter Payton man of the year, the most philanthropic guy in the NFL, you know, you were elected by your teammates for an award like, like that. And, and I just look at these different achievements in my life. And, and I, I question myself now at 38, like, what were my motivations for doing that? Was I really trying to bless all those people and buy those kids tennis shoes and, and glasses because they needed shoes and they, they needed help with their vision? Or was I doing that because I was trying to earn my dad being proud of me? Um, and so, um, you know, with age comes wisdom and you look back at all those different things and it just re-reminds me um, of how important the role and the responsibility the father has in the home um, to not just be the example, but also to be the person that is going to get with his family um, and show them how to do it as well. So I know that was a really long answer um, about my father, but I just feel really compelled to share that um, particularly today. Steve, here's my response to that answer. I think that is extremely real. I think that is extremely raw, and I know exactly what you're saying when you say, I bet there are people listening that have had a similar experience, and I know what you're saying. What you're saying is, whether he meant to or not, whether any father means to or not, whether any parent means to or not, or any leader or mentor or any sort, their words carry a kind of power. Today, many small business owners are busier than ever before. Time spent searching for and interviewing the wrong candidates for a job opening could be time better spent growing your business. This is why LinkedIn Jobs has made it easier to get the candidates worth interviewing faster, and it is free. I use LinkedIn Jobs. I love it. It helps me find the people that I need to put in our organization, the right people. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 750 million people. Focus on the candidates with the skills and the experience that you need. Use screening questions to get your role in front of only the most qualified people. Then, use the simple tools on LinkedIn Jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you would like to interview and hire. Fantastic process and product. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates worth interviewing faster. And did you know that every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Rome. That's linkedin.com slash R-O-M-E to post your job for free. Terms and conditions to apply. Because I've done this so long and I've talked to so many athletes and now like you, I've experienced life and I've made my mistakes. We know how this goes, right? When people tell others they cannot do something, it's going to go one of two ways. They're going to hear it, they're going to believe it, and they're going to shut down. Or, like you, they're going to hear it, convert it into fuel, and try and shove it up their backside F you. It seems like that was the case with you. But as you point out, you now find yourself questioning, well, yeah, but what was my motivation? So let me ask you this part, though. In the end, 
athletically, you were right, and he and anybody else who ever doubted you, you were wrong. Like, not only did you make it to the NFL from that small town, not only did you win the Super Bowl, you beat Tom Brady and the Patriots to do it. Not only that, you had one of your greatest games ever on the biggest stage ever. It should have been the greatest night of your entire life. But instead, Steve, it turned out to be one of the darkest. Why? What happened? Yeah, so uh, the game you're talking about was uh, it wasn't one of the best games I've ever played. Jim, listen, dude, I had like two horseshoes up my rear end that day. Man. <laughs> uh, it was February 5th, 2012. It was in Indianapolis. Now, if you guys heard me talk about earlier, Terre Haute, Terre Haute's in Indiana. It's about 50 miles away from Indianapolis. And uh, I was in my seventh year in the NFL, my first year with the New York Giants. And uh, if you guys will remember the year before that um, was when the Giants were playing against the Eagles in the last game of the season and they needed to punt the ball out of bounds. They weren't able to do that. Deshaun Jackson returned it for a touchdown. Um, so there was a lot of attention paid to the punter position the next season, which is the position that I play. Um, and I was able to come through uh, in that regular season and really be, um, I believe, a consistent answer to something that the Giants needed. They needed that old school Jeff Fiegel's consistent directional punting. I was able to supply that to uh, to Tom Coffin. And then we get into the, the, the postseason. I had an incredible uh, postseason run. And I really felt like for the first time I found like my team because I had been on the Saints, the Jags, the Chiefs, and the Jets in my six previous years in the NFL. I've been on five different teams. Um, so finally, I found like I found my spot. Now I'm playing in a Super Bowl pretty much in my hometown, and I had the best game of my entire life. My first punt was down at the, like the two-yard line. Justin Tucks um, sacked Tom Brady in the end zone the very next place. So the first two points of the Super Bowl were after my punt. Um, so it was just it was incredible to not just have the best game of your life in the biggest game of your life, but to actually have have plays in the game, Jim, that actually contributed to the result of the game. I had four punts and uh, still have a Super Bowl record for most punts inside of the 10 yard line in the Super Bowl. So pretty incredible that the ball bounced my way, that I had the favor of God that day and that my team won the game. I um, mean, like you said, man, you would think that this would be like the most unbelievable day that anybody could ever have because you win a Super Bowl in your hometown and it was a contract year for me and I knew I just had a great season so more than likely I had a contract extension offer coming from the Giants in the offseason things couldn't have been better my mom's there my dad's there my grandma's there my wife is there I remember my wife handing my son and and pulling my son Ace out of the bleachers and um, and the first thing he said to me, Jim, was like, Dad, we did it. We won the Super Bowl. So like, you know, you get that father son moment. And then like literally while I'm holding my son, um, you got people like Al Roker that are pulling my jersey and wanting to interview me. Dude, I'm the punter, Jim. Right. At halftime, Al Michaels said to Chris Collinsworth, and this is like it's on TV recorded. Like I still have this. It's crazy to me that Al Michaels said to Jim to um, to Chris Collinsworth at halftime, he said, Jim, I don't think I've ever said this, but if we had to vote for Super Bowl MVP at halftime, I'd give it to the punter, Steve Weatherford. Like, that's how pivotal my punts were in the game. Like, so special to have a game like that. So the reason I share all those things, Jim, with, with our listeners today is, is I remember getting back to my hotel room later that night for the first time being by myself. And you have all these people telling you how wonderful you are and your coach and your teammates and all this stuff and TV reporters. But then you have that moment where you get to be by yourself for the first time that night. And I remember walking through my hotel room and up to the window 
in Indianapolis and looking down and seeing like 2000 plus people with all different NFL jerseys on down there partying and having the time of their life and drinking. And a lot of the NFL jerseys that you see people partying and high-fiving and being so happy, they weren't even wearing Giants jerseys. They were just so excited to be at the Super Bowl spectacle. And then there's me. I, I played the best game of my life. I actually played in the game. I'm a Super Bowl champion. And I remember taking a deep breath, Jim. And before I could like exhale it out of my lungs, I remember just like this dark depression coming over me because I felt like I should feel different. Like I sacrificed and I grinded and I was disciplined. And now I did like the unthinkable, the impossible, something I never thought I could do. Like the thing that people dream about doing when they're in the backyard with their dad, throwing the football, like one day I'm going to win a Super Bowl. Why did it, Jim? And now I'm having my first moment with myself. And the first thing that I feel is not joy or, you know, enlightenment or change or transformation. It's depression. And I thought to myself, I should feel different. And the fact that I didn't feel different after I achieved that, like that unicorn type of thing, like it was depressing to me because I knew that achieving anything else inside of the NFL or pro sports was going to require so much more for me. It was going to require the stars aligning in a perfect way again. And that thought to me was so overwhelming because I thought I would feel different. And I knew the exchange of time, energy, effort, blood, sweat, tears, time away from your family, focus on something like this. If I knew that the return on the investment was going to feel like this, I don't know that I ever would have set out on this journey. Like it was, it, it felt heavy, right? Oh, no, um, it's, it, it's, it feels really heavy even hearing this, Steve. I mean, like, yeah. to your point, everything had to align perfectly. And on top of that, the sacrifice, the discipline, what you gave up to put yourself in that position, and then it actually happened. I mean, the percentage of it happening for anybody is so sure. minuscule, and it did, and then it didn't feel the way you expected it to. And in fact, on top of that, it was heavy and it was depressing. Like, I really wonder... How did you then process and reconcile that? For instance, did you think to yourself, all right, that's not what I thought it was going to be. I need to find and look for that happiness and fulfillment elsewhere. And if so, where did you look? And then were you able to find that contentment elsewhere? How did you process that whole thing? Yeah, I feel like what, what you were asked is like, okay, Steve, you realize that you didn't get happiness and you didn't get fulfillment from like an NFL achievement. So like, where did you shift your mindset right. or, or vision towards? And, and Jim, it wasn't, it wasn't happiness and wasn't fulfillment that I was looking for. I feel like those are the after effects that you and I will get when we're on purpose, Right. And that's what I was looking for. I wasn't, I wasn't looking for happiness or fulfillment. That's the result of what I wanted. But what I really needed was a purpose. Um, I needed a why. Um, and I thought like the why was going to be become a champion or fulfill the, the goal that I said to my dad when I was, um, you know, when I was 15 years old. You remember, I told him I was going to become a pro. Sure. Um, not only did I become a pro, I became one of the best pros to ever do it at my position in the biggest game ever. You know, and I remember going to hand my dad the trophy um, and him doing very similar to what he'd done with the other achievements, just being like, well, that's very nice. Make sure you share it with your mom and not like drinking in that special moment with me and not giving me like in my mind, like the movie scene of like, I'm so proud of you, Steve, please let me hold and grasp this trophy and let's have this like 17 second Disney hug. Like I think in my mind, like, I think that's what I, I wanted, you know? And, and when you don't get that, like that movie, uh, result that you're looking for, then the fulfillment starts, you start to question 
the the investment that you're making and is the juice worth the squeeze and i believe that's why uh, a lot of people get divorced nowadays is because they're they're realizing that like the juice isn't worth the squeeze and in order for the juice juice to be the worth the squeeze in like a marriage it's going to take constant nurturing and like constant communication and constant give and take it's like a dance you know, a lot of men, I believe, think that like marriage is like I lead the way and my wife submits to me and like everything will be OK. Um, and, and when people start to like fall out of love with a relationship like that, then, you know, where, where do we think we're going to end up if you can't lead yourself? And at that time, I wasn't leading myself. Well, um, you can't lead your wife. So not to get off on a tangent on marriage, but, you know, that's something that my wife and I um, are very passionate about helping people in their marriages as well. So no, I, I get talk that. about that for a while as well. I understand that. Let me ask you this, Steve. Like I, what I'm hearing from you is what I needed to find was my purpose. What I needed to find was my why. In order to get to my best life, I've got to find these things first. And I want to ask you about that. But before I do that, because I think that in fact right now, while we're never a finished product, you are living an amazing life. You can tell me otherwise. I would imagine your best life but it was not easy. I would venture to guess it's still not easy. You touched on this. You battled a number of demons. You overcame even a number of addictions. To give the listeners an idea of what your journey truly has been like, what types of things were you dealing with and did you have to overcome? Yeah, so it's a. you said the word, Jim. You said, well, you look like you're living a, a great life and you know I'm sure that it's not easy. And so I definitely want to, speak to people about the things that I've struggled with, um, you know, maybe a story or two about sure. them. But, you know, when when you look for something outside of yourself to fulfill a hole that, that I believe spiritually only God can fill in you, you're going to constantly look for either people, things or substances to fill that hole that you had inside of you. And so I remember you know, in my later teen years, 18, 19 years old, when I got a scholarship, and I achieved some things that I didn't think I could achieve. Um, and I didn't feel like that confirmation from my dad. I remember going to alcohol and drugs, because for that moment, it made like that hurt and that pain go away for a little bit. Um, but it was still hard when the drugs or the alcohol or the hangover wore off, right. And so it was hard to make that achievement. And it was hard when my dad didn't give me what I felt like I wanted. And then it was also hard when I came down off the alcohol or drugs. So like everything was hard to me. Right. And so, um, porn, um, alcohol, sex, like literally anything because of, you know, the way that my, my mind is, is wired ADHD. Like I'm highly motivated, motivated by feelings. Drugs give you feelings, achievements give you feelings, fitness, you know, exercising give you, gives you feelings, drugs give you feelings, sex gives you feelings, meaning like a dopamine rush. And so literally, like if you pick something that makes dopamine go off in your brain, um, Jim, more than likely, I have dabbled in some form of self-sabotaging self um, addiction in there, um, gambling is another one. Um, but one thing I, I would love to share, Jim, and I believe this will really serve you. It serves me every morning when I read it, and I believe it will serve every person that's listened to this right now. It's a poem written by my mentor. His name is Keith Kraft, and the poem is called Choose Your Heart. And when you said, I'm sure it's not easy to live the life that you're living right now, you're 100% right, Jim. Like, it is so hard for me to wake up every morning and give the first fruit of my life to God, you know, meaning like wake up and get right into a devotional to get right into prayer. It's hard for me to 
um, get a paycheck and give the first 10% of every single dollar that my family and I make to give it to God. Like it's hard for me to live by some of the commandments and rules that God um, wants us to live under. Like life is hard doing it that way, but I've done life addicted to drugs. I've done life lying. I've done life cheating and life that way is, is hard too. So I want to read this poem and I really want people, if you're listening in the weight room or you're, you're driving in the car, man, just really, really focus on, on what I'm saying right now. If you don't listen to anything that I've said in these 30 minutes, and I know that I've talked a lot, listen to this part right now. It's called choose your heart. Being your best is hard. Being normal is hard. Making wise decisions is hard. Making bad decisions is hard. Being in shape is hard. Being out of shape is hard. Losing weight is hard. Being fat is hard. Working out is hard. Being weak is hard. Being disciplined is hard. Being lazy is hard. Getting out of your comfort zone is hard. Staying in your comfort zone is hard. Starting a business is hard. Working for someone else is hard. Making a lot of money is hard. Making a little bit of money is hard. Being rich is hard. Being poor is hard. Having great relationships is hard. Having bad relationships is hard. Having friends is hard. Having no friends is hard. Fighting for your marriage is hard. Divorce, I know people can attest to this. Divorce is hard. Having a lot of things is hard. Having nothing is hard. Living on purpose is hard. Living off of purpose is hard. Doing life God's way is hard. Doing life your own way is hard. Everything is hard. Choose your heart. And like, that's my message to everybody that's listening to this show right now that wants to reinvent some portion of their life mentally, physically, spiritually, financially, emotionally. You might come into this show today not knowing an area of your life that really needed like some structure and some order, but maybe you, you haven't encountered it because it's uncomfortable. Maybe you haven't encountered it because it's hard. Maybe you haven't encountered it because you failed at it the last time you tried to change it. And maybe that's smoking, maybe that's alcohol, maybe that's you're smoking weed all the time because you're trying to evade different problems that are going on. Man, I'm just encouraging you as you hear this right now to get on purpose. And I don't know what your purpose is, but I know that there's a reason that God sent me onto this show and Jim invited me to be here to share my truth is because my life was just achievement after unfulfilling achievement until I got purpose. And once I got a purpose, I was able to get on purpose. And in order for me to stay on purpose, I just needed to continually remind myself, what is my ultimate why? And if you don't mind, Jim, I would love to share my ultimate why. Do that. I believe that one day I'm going to stand before God. And I want to be able to stand before God and have no talent left. I want to have taken every resource and have taken every talent and have taken every opportunity that I could to maximize it. There's a parable in the Bible where God gives talents, you know, one talent, three talents, five talents to, uh, to different people. And the, the moral of the story is the person that took his talents and multiplied them with other people, God gave more talents to. And so what that tells me is God is going to give each and every one of us special gifts. And if we can multiply, if we can develop those gifts by working hard, being disciplined, being strategic with our life, when we stand before God and he's going to say, hey, Jim, because of the gifts, the time and the talents that I gave you, what did you do with them? Jim, I know you, man, and I know me, man. I want to stand before God and have a confident answer. I want to say, God, man, I maxed it out. I didn't do it perfect, but I took every advantage that I could. I didn't work until 45 or 50 and then retire and then just kind of live my golden years on easy street. 
I'm telling you right now, Jim, I'm never going to retire. So that's the first question that God's going to ask me. And then the other question he's going to ask me is he's going to say, Steve, because of the life that I gave you and the time on earth that I give you, how many people did you tell about my son, Jesus Christ, that I sent so people could receive perfect love, so they could receive the gift um, and, and, and they could receive grace and they could live forever? How many people did you tell about my son? Jim, I want to be able to look over my right shoulder, and I want that, la that line to be so long that I need binoculars to see the end of it. But in order for that to happen, I can't be a person that's just standing on the corner waving a sign that says, oh, Jesus is king, repent, um, he loves you. Because that's not going to attract anybody to want to live the lifestyle that God wants us to live. But if I can go out and take his biblical principles and his wisdoms and apply them into my marriage, apply them into my business, apply them into my life and produce fruit, attractive fruit where people are like, dang, man, Steve's marriage, Steve's business, Steve's kids, Steve's body. Man, dude, this guy is really doing life like maxed out. I want to know more about how he does life. And so my lifestyle will attract people to me and my family. And then I'll be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ for them and the, and the transformational power uh, that he's done in me. Because three, three and a half years ago, uh, Jim, dude, I was putting drugs up my, I was putting drugs up my nose from the dashboard of my Range Rover while my five kids were inside. Like it, it wasn't always like this, man, but that's why I have such a, um, such a, I'm all in dude. Like, I'm not here to sell anybody anything. I like, I have a supplement company. I have a leadership consulting company. Um, we work with entrepreneurs, but I'm not here to sell you guys any of that stuff, man. I'm here to talk to you about one thing and it's absolutely free. And it's not a religion with Jesus Christ. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what changed for me because I grew up in church and there's a big difference between religion and relationship. Steve, the, wow. I mean, wow. Like what you just said, and again, I've done this a long time. I could go any number of ways with this, but at the very end, you just said something that really blew my mind. And I did say, I would imagine that even if you are living your best life, this is not easy. You just said, hey, listen, three and a half years ago with five kids in my Range Rover, I was still putting drugs up my nose. I need to know this. As an elite athlete, Steve, you know this as well as anybody, oftentimes it's all about getting the proper leverage on your opponent. In this case, I would imagine your opponent was you. How in the world, with all of these things that you were battling, yourself most of all, were you able to get leverage and to... I don't want to say fix all of it because we're all still trying to fix things, but how did you get leverage on this yourself and turn your life around? Yeah, um, I will agree with you on a lot of those things, but I will say this. I'm not trying to fix anything. I tried a long time, dude. The first time I saw porn was when I was 12 years old. I tried to fix that. I had so much guilt and shame wrapped up around that, like a dirty little closet addiction up until I was 24 years old. So I'm not trying to fix that anymore. It's been, it's been over three years since I've looked at something like that, man. And the reason that I can confidently say that right now is like, I'm not the one that took that away. Um, but I will say this, you're like, well, how did you take control back? Right. Um, right. It started, it started with me establishing my identity, Jim. You know, like if I don't know who I am, how do I know where I'm making decisions from? Right. So I, I, I needed to make up in my mind, like the same way when I became a New York giant, they put a piece of paper in front of me like this and they wrote down what they needed me to do as a job. 
and then how much they were going to give me to do it. And I signed my name to it. That was a contract. And so um, three and a half years ago, when I hit like my rock bottom, I didn't get arrested, like nothing like crazy like that happened. Like I just decided I wanted more from my life. Um, you know, I wasn't about to get divorced or anything like my marriage wasn't in a good place, but like nothing crazy happened, but I knew I just wanted more, man. I was on this vision quest and I knew the first place that I needed to start. Like I knew what my, like my, my purpose was like, you know what? I just described you the two questions that God's going to ask me, but like, like, how do I, like, how do I go from where I am right now to like, I don't know when that's going to be 50 years from now. Am I just going to like meander through addiction after addiction until then? And just like hope to give a good answer. No, I knew I needed to start foundationally. Who am I? And so I wrote down three character traits that I knew, Jim, if I could practice these into who I am, that I knew that every era of my life was going to have God's favor on it. And, and that was integrity, honor, and accountability. And so every decision after I wrote that down, so I wrote on my mirror, I am, which I believe are the two most powerful words on this planet, Jim, because the words that come after it shape our reality. That's not just some cute quote, man, that like that has power. It says in scripture, death and life is in the power of the tongue. So doesn't it make sense when you say I am the words that come after it are going to be really powerful. So I wrote on my mirror, I am a man of integrity, honor and accountability. Now, up until that point, when I wrote that, even as I'm writing it on my mirror, Jim, I don't believe it. Because I knew that I was a liar. I was a cheater. I knew that I had stolen. Um, I had hurt the people that are close to me. I, I felt like a fraud and a phony, right? Um, but I wrote these things down. And that was the first thing that I did every single morning when I talk about giving God the first fruit. So the first thing I would do every single morning was brush my teeth. Before I brush my teeth, I would say that out loud every single day for over a year. And then I would also listen to a four minute and 28 second audio called The Power Within You. Um, by Dr. Billy Alls Brooks. Um, anybody listening to this, I'll actually share my uh, my text message at the end of the show, and I can send you these different resources. I'll send you the poem from Choose Your Heart, and then I can also send you the resource for the power within you. Oh, both of those things are free. Um, but the reason is, is those were the tools that I used to recondition my mind. Think about it, Jim. Your mind has 60,000 thoughts a day. But you and I put a lot of intentionality and money and strategy in between um, into our supplements or our training or our hydration or our kombucha juice or organic greens. Uh, but how much intentionality do you and I put into the things that go into our brain, the things we read and the things we listen to? Because if you and I want to change our output, we have to change our input. I knew that because I'm an athlete. So I needed, I needed to change my input. So I controlled the first 30 minutes of every single day. I had my I am statement. I brushed my teeth. Um, I, I read the Choose Your Hard poem, and then I listened to that four-minute, 28-second audio, which is essentially four minutes of affirmations of someone else speaking greatness over me. Because remember where I was, dude. I was putting drugs up my nose, broken, beaten, and defeated. I had a terrible opinion of myself. I needed somebody outside of me to speak greatness over me. And so I had an, a, an audio that I downloaded from YouTube that was free every single day for over a year to the point, Jim, I have six kids, five of them. If you put that audio on, they know every single word. So it wasn't like I just listened to it in the morning. It was like an anthem throughout my home to the point where like my, my kids know a four minute affirmation about greatness and about how God created them to operate and how God created us to give and to lead and to be generous and to have confidence. Because when I grew up, dude, Christians were not tough. 
they were like khaki wearing wussies that tucked their shirt in and had pleats in their pants. I didn't know any like mighty Christians. And so I, I, I needed to foundationally build myself up from, from the floor and the floor is identity. Like how, how do you expect me to make a decision on what to say or where to go if I don't know who I am? And so you and I can just be pinballing back from thing to thing, um, accomplishment to accomplishment, sacrifice to mountaintop. But until you and I figure out like who we are, we can never really get clear on where we want, like where we want to go and who we want to become. So I started foundationally there with a contract. So if you would allow me to, Jim, I'd like to reintroduce myself. You did my intro at the beginning of the show, but I'd like to reintroduce myself. My name's Steve Weatherford. I'm a man of integrity, honor, and accountability. I'm a son, and I am a warrior of the one most high. So the reason I state it like that is because I know who I am. So everything that I do, everything that I say, and everything, everything that I go and, and execute on in a day, if a man of integrity, honor, and accountability wouldn't do or say that, then I don't do it. It's kind of like having a filter for life. And I know if at the end of the day, I don't get anything on my to-do list done, but I get my to-be list done, meaning you can't do integrity, honor, and accountability, but you can be them. So there's a lot of days where I don't get my to-do list done at all. But I know if I operate in integrity, honor, and accountability at the end of that day, I'm going to feel proud of the man that I see in the mirror. And that's where I started. Okay, now the thing, my biggest takeaway, Steve, from that is this. When I started this podcast, and again, I'm older than you, and I'm thinking deeply about these things, and like you, I don't want to bullshit myself either. Like, I don't want to do this as a podcast. I want this to be a lifestyle. I want to know, is it really possible for me to have my best work and my best life in front of me and not behind me? In short, is true reinvention possible? And a cynic would say, no, no, really, it's not. What I'm hearing from you and my takeaway from you is this it absolutely is you just said it foundationally you had to rebuild yourself completely i mean from the ground up all the way up so i'm hearing possibility and i'm inspired by that and i think that that's absolutely incredible a foundational reinvention completely now i want to ask you something it's kind of a sidebar also really important i'm really interested but like physically physically you're a monster. You were the fittest man in the NFL a couple of times. I mean, that's, I mean, for those who don't even understand, that's to be uncommon among the most uncommon like that is incredible. Like, you're a legend in the fitness world, but here's something that I've really kind of struggled with my whole life. Like, you're a former pro athlete, so of course, fitness is going to play a major role in your life and your success. For the rest of us mere mortals, if we're looking to reinvent Steve or we're looking to be the best version of ourselves, how hard should we go physically? How hard should we be training? How rigid should we be with our diets? Mm, mm. I feel like it's all kind of depending on like what you want your body to be able to do. You know, like are you a perform? Do you have performance goals? Do you have endurance goals? Do you have longevity goals? Like I happen to have longevity goals right now. Like I have six kids, um, you know, in three days, I'm actually about to go do a 36 hour like endurance event. So I'm not into like lifting like super heavy weights anymore or trying to run like a, a four, four forty anymore. And so if I were to give advice on fitness, it's like pick goals that you want. 
you know, like don't pick goals based upon just like what you want to look like, because that will go and fade. Like that's a motivation type of thing. Like if you have a, you do a program because you only want to look like a certain type of person, I feel like you're going to try and you're going to fail. But the way that I've always looked at it that has kept me um, eating well and training well for almost 25 years, 20, 23 and a half years now, um, I'll be 39 and I'll be, yeah, almost 25 years. I'll be 39 in December. And the thing that has kept me going, um, the way that it's going is, is honor, you know? And what I mean when I say honor is I don't look at training and I don't look at nutrition as like something I have to do. If you, if you change the relationship or the perspective of training and nutrition as something to honor your body, like, Hey man, I'm going to take my body out in this tech. Cause I just moved to Dallas. I'm going to take my body out in this Texas heat. And I'm really going to push my body because I know my body needs this stimulus in order to maintain and, and grow its capability as I grow older. So if it's something I feel like I'm giving my body that it wants and it needs, um, it, the, the perspective shifts. Um, and so, especially for nutrition, like, are you going to give your, your, your body like fast food, or are you going to give your body organic, organic nutrition? Well, if you want to honor your body and you want to expect the most out of your body, then give your body high performance fuel. I guess the best analogy would be like, Jim, if I was going to give you any car that you ever wanted, but the only catch is Jim, I'm on, that's the last car that you're going to have for the rest of your life, but you can get whatever you want. I guarantee you, if I give you that car, you're going to wash it. You're going to wax it. You're going to change the tires. You're going to vacuum the interior. You're only going to put the highest performance fuel in that car. And you're going to change the oil regularly because that car has to last you for the rest of your life. Right? Well, how's that any different than your body? So like, if we can start to look at our body as the high performance machine that God gave us, um, and, and to me, like, I feel like my body has been my science project since I was 14 years old. And I'm constantly looking at different ways of trying to unlock uh, the magnificence of what this body is. And one of the ways that I've really been nerding out on it is Wim Hof breathing. And I know we'll probably do another podcast episode. And I know this one's going really long and I really enjoyed our time together. Um, but yeah, dude, I'm really into the Wim Hof breathing, the cold plunge therapy. I'm actually going to have to invite you out to one of the, we do live events, Jim. Um, and one of them's called upgrade your human. And it's a one day like peak performance adventure series where we break up into teams of five. Uh, we do Wim Hof breathing. We do cold plunge therapy where we go into ice water up to our necks for like 10 minutes together. Um, and then we go do a crucible event where it's about a three and a half hour um, kind of like boot camp style um, leadership contest, uh, carrying boats. And, you know, there's some swimming involved and things like that. Um, and it really, our mission statement is we civilize your mind, we make savage your body, and we awaken your spirit. And we do it all in one day. All right. So this, you're right. This is a another podcast. And by the way, I'm really enjoying this as well. And I really appreciate our time together. Steve, let me let me ask you this, like in terms of, and this is why I wanted to talk to you. This is why I've talked to so many Navy SEALs. I mean, these are the types of things that I want. What I want to ask you is, if somebody like me or somebody listening, and again, we're talking about normal lay people, civilian people, but people who are hungry, people who want to achieve, 
you're not going to get there without a certain level of mental toughness. How do we achieve that level of mental toughness? Do we need to take a cold water plunge for 10 minutes? Do we need to be a part of that crucible? Do we need to do that three-hour challenge? How do we go about getting mentally tougher? Because frankly, I don't think we're going to get where we want to get without being mentally tough. Yeah. So first thing I want to strike down and um, respectfully, you're not normal. And like, there's no such thing as like a lay person. And like, kind of like we talked about at the beginning of the, the show, you know, like, why do we love sports? Because people are doing things that we didn't think were like possible. That's why I love the Olympics, right? Because they're like, are you kidding me? You can you can fly down, uh, down a hill at 80 miles an hour on a skateboard with that type of precision. And then you watch these people that are like doing archery with like the most ridiculous precision. So I, I, I like I strike that down. I don't believe there's any uh, there's any normal or lay person. But I get the question that you're 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 asking about like maybe a normal mindset. Do how could we work on our normal mindset? Well, um, there's a Japanese ritual called a masogi, um, and what the Japanese ritual is is once a year there's this tribe of warriors, and they do a form of fasting meditating and then they do a crucible event and that was really the motivation for the upgrade your human is to be able to supply a masogi to men and women like once a year like a really difficult um physical challenge where there's in order for in my opinion for it to constitute as a masogi is it has to be something where there's a 50 percent chance that you're not going to finish it um, and so to be able to provide that for people that, like you say, normal lay people, my motivation and, and the, the reason I created the Upgrade Your Human series was I went and lived with Wim Hof um, in Poland for five days with some other, you know, social media influencers, quote unquote, I hate that name, but that's for lack of a better word, that's a good description for us. But we lived with them for five days and we learned how to do the Wim Hof breathing, the cold plunge therapy. And then we hiked a mountain in our underwear um, while it was snowing and it was like a blizzard going on. And we proved to ourselves that we're able to do things well beyond what we've ever done before um, with collective suffering. And really, I didn't realize it, Jim, but I had had built-in Masogis my whole life as an athlete. They're called NFL training camp. <laughs> so every single year, I had a difficult thing that I undertook with people like a collective suffering. And that's why like, I believe that men and women too, but men mostly because we're geared this way, is when we leave the military or we we stop being an athlete or you know we get married and we get away from like that tribal aspect of manhood that's why i believe uh depression and midlife crisis is so prevalent right now is because we're so isolated not from people because we're with our family but we're so isolated from other men because we make up in our mind that we're too busy um and so i have created this for, for busy men and entrepreneurs and leaders and coaches and teachers to be able to come and have that crucible time um, in, in a peak performance day. So also learn some tactical, tangible, um, breathing peak performance mindset um, type of tools. So does any of that make sense to you? Or am yes, I it does. It, it all makes sense to me. And it seems like one would be another example of choosing our hard. It would make us very uncomfortable, which is where you want to be. I'm curious, like, where do you conduct that? Where do you do that? Yeah, we do it all over the country, man. So we've done it in Utah. We've done it in San Diego. Um, we've done it. We just recently did it in Minnesota. So every time we do it, the challenge changes. 
um, but the intention and the mechanisms all remain the same. So the terrain is going to change. The challenge is going to change. Uh, the riddles that you're going to have to solve when you're in exhaustion as a team will change. Um, so we have we have guys that we do this about every two and a half months, and we have guys that come to every single one of them, hmm. you know, because it just, for me, I, I always operate really well, 90 or 120 days at a time. And so like right now, I'm about to go climb a mountain in three days. I'm not sure when this podcast is releasing, but I'm going to, to climb a mountain. And so the last five weeks, I've been, I haven't lifted weights at all. And all I've been doing is track workouts and stair workouts. So I've had to get elevation training gym uh, and it's been so difficult, dude. I moved to Dallas. Good luck finding a hill out here, bro. I just moved from San Diego where it's like, it's heaven for hiking. And then I moved out here and I've been going over to the Cowboys because I live in Frisco, like right by their training facility. I've been going over to their training facility and they have a parking garage that's six flights up but it's outdoors. So it's still real hot. And I've had a weight vest on going up and down as I'm watching like NFL players come in to check in for Cowboys training camp. It's been pretty funny. Insane. Insane. All right. So what we're talking about before I let you go, see, there's a lot of different things going on here. There's a lot of different things that you're offering listeners who want to improve. We didn't even get into a seminar that you've started called become the CEO of your life. What is the best place for listeners to go to if they want to get more information about any and all these things? And I want to ask you if you're going to still provide that text number so you can talk about where they can find the Choose Your Hard poem and anything else that you might want to expose them to. Yeah, man, I would love to to be able to continue to share, you know, leadership, mindset, discipline. You know, we didn't really get into family or marriage or anything. That's something I talk about um, also a lot on my podcast. So I have a podcast called The Steve Weatherford Show. It's the High Performance Tactics to Live a High Performance Life. Um, we talk about the five power pillars of life, mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, and financial. Um, a lot of the same conversations we have today, that's why I knew coming on here with you, Jim, just because we're we're so aligned in, in our vision and our mission for like the legacy that we want to have. You know what I mean? Like I want to create relationships with people that are going to come to my funeral and tell stories about the impact I had in their life to my kids. You know, like that's what I'm really motivated on. So like that, my podcasts are predicated off of conversations like that and building a like not a successful life, but a significant life. So my podcast is one. And then I would love for everybody that's listening to this podcast, right? And regardless, if you want one of the resources or you just want to stay in contact with me, um, I would love you to text message me. And Jim, if you don't mind putting my number in the show notes, but my number is 949-763-763. 5934. And if you want me to send you the choose your hard poem, just text me the word hard and I'll know exactly what resource you're looking for. And what you can expect from me um, when you text me is if you have a question, I'll answer you and it will be me. But also um, on Tuesday mornings, I'll send you the link to my newest podcast episode. Once a week, we come out with a podcast that will normally either be uh, me motivating or teaching. My wife might be on there. Um, and then we also have guests like Michael Strahan or Dr. Oz or Ed Milet, a lot of the guys that you may have had on your show as well. Um, and so that's where I'm most passionate about sharing my message and inspiring. And that's where my most valuable stuff is. So I would text message me and I'm also on Instagram at Weatherford five. Steve, not only do I not have an issue with sharing that telephone number in the show notes because it is a 949 number and I live in the 949 and I also have a 949. I am absolutely thrilled to share that number. Well, man, I, I sure loved having, um, having some time with you here. Um, 
I believe, and I hope that this was valuable to everybody listening to it. And uh, I do have one last request. If this conversation was valuable, I would love for you to go to Jim's podcast on iTunes and leave a review. I'll say this for you, Jim. This helps so much. Like when people go and leave a review on my podcast, it helps my show get in front of other people that normally wouldn't hear a conversation like this, like a significant conversation, not just a conversation about success. So you could really honor and encourage what Jim is doing with his heart for this show and his mission for the show just by going and, and leaving an iTunes review and then sharing this conversation, literally just hitting those three little dots and copying the link and text messaging this podcast interview with somebody that you do believe that it could speak to. Maybe somebody that's struggled with addiction. Maybe that's somebody who's struggled with, maybe they had somebody in their life like my dad who, you know, kind of spoke death over their dream. And maybe one of those people that they didn't respond the way that I did. Maybe they actually accepted that. And maybe they need to hear this podcast so they can have somebody that can breathe some life into some dry bones and some dreams that they allowed to die. But honestly, um, I believe that they can live again. Steve, I think that, first of all, thank you very much for saying that. And you're so right. And I say this every single week at the end of the podcast, but I'm so glad that you said it. And maybe our listeners can hear that message from somebody else. You're so right. It makes such a difference if you can just review it and share it and push it along. If you got something out of it, you should share this. I I absolutely got so much out of this. And the amazing thing, Steve, is it is such a powerful, powerful conversation, and we only scratched the surface. I know you have so much more to share. I'm just so glad that we could come to ne- or come together, reconnect, have this time, and then we have that relationship, which we already may have had, but we can continue the conversation. But I just want to say how much I appreciate you, how much I respect you, how much I admire what you've done, what you're still doing, and I will certainly look forward to our next conversation. Thank you, man. And all the listeners out there, thank you for letting me spend a little bit of time with you and continue to pray for me and my family as we're taking territory and bringing this same message of hope to people uh, that really need it, man, because I was in a deep, dark place four years ago. And just to be able to have the opportunity and this platform to share uh, my truth, God's truth with you and with all your listeners, Jim, I really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Steve, thank you so much, man. Talk to you again soon. In a word, intense. Everything about Steve Weatherford, his journey, his passion, his energy, his vision, and ambition screams intensity. I heard everything he just said, and I'm still having a tough time wrapping my head around where he was just four years ago and where he is right now. The demons he had to fight, the battles he had to win, especially within himself, to emerge triumphantly and come out the other end are almost unfathomable to me. Any one of those things, drug and alcohol abuse, an addiction to pornography, extreme ADHD, an extremely troubled relationship with his father, the realization that his life's work and the achievement of his ultimate dream felt nothing like he thought it would and, in fact, resulted in his darkest moments ever. I mean, any one of these things could take any one of us down for the count. And he dealt with all of them collectively and beat each and every one of them back. Again, this is a man who is a Super Bowl champion, a Walter Payton Man of the Year recipient. That award goes to the most philanthropic player in the NFL, a guy who seemed to have it all 
but only four years ago was doing drugs in his Range Rover with his five kids in the car. That same individual is now clean and sober and has completely reinvented himself and turned his life around. So don't tell me it's not possible. Don't tell me you can't overcome whatever it is you're currently dealing with. Now, that said, nobody, and especially Steve Weatherford himself, is saying it's easy. It's not. It's hard. It's really freaking hard. But it's possible if you do the work, if you want it badly enough, if you don't bullshit yourself and you truly do want to improve and get better and you're strategic, intentional, tactical, and consistent in the way you attack it every single day. And most of all, you're committed. You tell me true reinvention isn't possible, and I will direct you to Steve Weatherford or any of the other 20 or so people I've spoken to so far on this podcast. My question now isn't, is it possible? But rather, why am I not further along in my own personal quest? And I already know the answer to that. Simply put, I'm not going hard enough. I'm not being real enough with myself. Every once in a while, you need somebody to kick you in the ass and say, do better, go harder, do the hard work, quote, choose hard. Weatherford's message, energy, intensity, and resiliency fires me up. It resonates with me. I hope it did the same for you. If so, please do this. Review this podcast because in this world, that is extremely helpful. Subscribe and then please share it with anybody who you think might benefit from it as well. Also, be sure to hit Steve up directly via text and on social media and let him know what you thought of the conversation and what your biggest takeaways were. I know he'll appreciate that. In the meantime, have an amazing week and be sure to lock it in next Thursday when I chop it up with an absolute beast in Andy Frisella. Trust me, that is not a conversation you want to miss. Be safe, go hard, and I will see you all next week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.